Bibles and turn to John chapter 18, please. Gospel of John chapter 18. Our text verses this morning are going to jump around just a little bit, and you'll see why, uh, because we're going to focus and highlight uh, on Peter this morning. And if you have not been with us, we've been working our way through the Gospel of John. Been in chapter 18 now for a few weeks, and considering all that is here, uh, there's, there's, there's more to be said even after today, Lord willing, uh, in this chapter. And we've covered it from a few different points of view, a couple different points of view already. And this morning we're going to focus in on Peter. But I want to draw your attention to these verses, get right into this this morning. The, the title of, of the message this morning is The Steps to a Fall. The Steps to a Fall. And we'll consider these thoughts uh, through these passages of Scripture and others as well. But let's read these verses. Let's start in verse 15 and read down through verse 18. And then we're going to jump to verse 25. The Bible says here in John chapter 18 and verse 15, And Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. That disciple was known unto the high priest, and went in with Jesus into the palace of the high priest. But Peter stood at the door without. Then went out that other disciple, which was known unto the high priest, and spake unto her that kept the door, and brought in Peter. Then saith the damsel that kept the door unto Peter, Art not thou also one of this man's disciples? He saith, I am not. And the servants and officers stood there, uh, who had made a fire of coals, for it was cold, and they warmed themselves. And Peter stood with them and warmed himself. Now skip down to verse 25. And Simon Peter stood and warmed himself. They said therefore unto him, Art not thou also one of his disciples? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, being his kinsman, whose ear Peter cut off, saith, Did not I see thee in the garden with him? Peter then denied again, and immediately the cock crew. Now the context of all of this uh, is, is in the life of Jesus Christ, of course. And the context is that Jesus has just been betrayed by Judas. He's been arrested and from this point on, Jesus is no longer a free man. He's become the property of the state, if you will. He's going to be and is being railroaded through the most fallacious, unfair, disorderly, illegal trial in the history of, of trials. And we covered Jesus' trial last week and, and all the illegal elements uh, that were involved just to push it to the point that Jesus would be crucified. The part of this story and this narrative that I want us to focus on today is the account of Peter's actions while Jesus' mockery of a trial is going on. And what we've read here concerning Peter is probably the low point in Peter's life. It's probably a point in Peter's life, and of course it is a point that he thought he would never be at, because Peter said, and we'll cover this in a little while, I'll go to you with you even unto death. Though all others will forsake you, I won't do that. 
And here Peter is doing the very thing that he said he would never do. And it's probably the low point of Peter's life because as the story unfolds, at the end of it all, the the Bible tells us that when Peter recognized what he had done and where he was at, he went out and he wept bitterly. He cried bitter tears. The question is, how did Peter get here? How did Peter get to the point where he ended up doing the very thing that he said he would never do. And we don't see the whole story because John records the parts of it here that, are, that the Spirit of God led him to record. But the other Gospels give us a little bit more detail about what all went on. And, and again, I want us to, to focus here because here's the truth of the matter. We've probably all found ourselves in a situation that we thought we would never ever be in, if we're honest. We've probably all been there, or we're going to be there, and, and, and that is the truth of the matter. And maybe, sadly, that's part of the human condition because of our deceitful heart and our sinful nature. But as we take a look at this point in time in Peter's life, it can help us take a good look at our own lives and examine ourselves to gauge where we're at. And we're going to consider the steps to a downfall. But in order for us to fully grab the whole picture of how Peter came to this point in his life, I want us to go back and look at a couple of different things, examine some tendencies that Peter had that led him to the place he's at today, or he was in this story. And in so doing, we're going to find some helpful indicators that can help us see where we may be at as well in our own Christian lives. Okay? And so that's the direction we're going this morning. I want you to turn over to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 14. Mark, chapter 14, parallel passage with all of this, but it gives us some more detail. We're going to use this passage of Scripture this morning to look at some tendencies in Peter's life, some indicators that show us how Peter got to the place that he was at. And we'll make some applications for ourselves out of it, okay? Let's pray, and then we'll begin. Heavenly Father, I do, Lord, pray for the Spirit of God to give liberty. Lord, we need you here today, and Lord, I pray that you'd give clarity of thought and mind as well to be able to expound on your word, Lord, to make application from it, and, and, and Lord, that the Spirit of God would then work in each individual heart, and Lord, you make application in everyone's heart according to your will. Lord, we just pray that our att- attention would be given to the word today, that it would effectually work in us that believe. And Lord, we pray that you'd be pleased in it all, in Jesus' name, amen. There's a lengthy passage of Scripture here in Mark, and for the sake of time, we'll take it as we go instead of reading the whole thing and then backing up. But if you have been with us, you know uh, where we're at in the life of Jesus, where we're at in the fact that He's about to go to the cross. Just in hours of time, He'll be crucified. And there's so much that happens in all of that time, and we've been covering all of that through our, our series together but not just in Jesus' life, but also in His disciples as well. And here's something that the Lord has recorded for, the Spirit of God has recorded for us, for our learning. 
for our understanding. And so let's be intentional this morning about God's Word. Amen? All right, let's begin reading in verse 26. And the first thing that I want you to notice as we read through here, and again, we're talking about indicators or tendencies in Peter's life. How did Peter get to the place that he was at? Well, these can be some things that are helpful for us as well. And the first thing that I want you to notice is that Peter had too much self-confidence. Peter had too much self-confidence. Look in verse 26. The Bible says, And when they had sung in hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. That's They went into the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus saith unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep shall be scattered. But after that I am risen, I will go before you into Galilee. But Peter said unto him, Although all shall be offended, yet will not I. Here we find that Peter had a tendency to have too much self-confidence. Jesus says, all of you are going to be offended by, of me this night. And Peter's response to the Lord is this, Although all shall be offended, yet will not I. Now, what is Peter doing in this moment of time? Jesus tells him what is going to happen. Jesus says, all of you are going to be offended. And then Peter, in that very moment, takes himself and separates himself from all of the others and says, though all of those guys will be offended by you or of you this night, I won't. What is Peter doing? He's comparing himself with these others. Peter is this, 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 this I that he's talking about is a very self-assertive I. He's comparing himself among themselves. He's comparing himself with others because of the, the self-confidence that Peter had. Everybody else might, but I'm not going to. In other words, I have the strength and the ability to not do what you just said. Now, here's the application. Because we're talking about steps to a fall. The very first step to a personal downfall is to think too highly of ourselves and our own spirituality. To think that we're more spiritual than we really are. To think that we're stronger or more capable than we really are. You know what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians... Or Proverbs chapter 28 and verse 26. Let's go over there and read it so I don't mess it up. I want you to see it. Don't take my word for it. Let's read it. Proverbs 28 and verse 26. The Bible says, He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. But whoso walketh wisely, he shall be delivered. He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. You think you can handle it? You think you're strong? You think you're spiritual? You think that you know? You think you're right? He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12, it, it, it tells us and warns us to take heed. You think that you stand? Beware, take heed lest you fall. Go, turn over there, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. First Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12. Wherefore, 
Let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Where's the emphasis in the one who thinks? He, you think that you've got it together. You think that you're standing. Take heed lest you fall. Peter had too much self-confidence. Although all shall be offended, yet will not I. And the very first step to a personal fall is to think of ourselves too highly or our own spirituality. And here's the other side of that. Listen, it's very easy to look around and to compare ourselves amongst ourselves. It's very easy to look at others and be like the Pharisee and the publican, who when the Pharisee said, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are. We think that we're immune or we think that we're not capable. That's when we're really in trouble. Or we think I could never do such a thing or do something like that. That's when we're in trouble. That's what Peter said. I would never do that. Everybody else might do that, but I would never do that. I couldn't possibly do that. Go with me to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. And I want you to read with me verse 1. You're probably familiar with this verse. But Galatians chapter 6 in verse 1 says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault... Ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Now what is the instruction of this verse? The instruction of this verse is not to sit in judgment over one who's been overtaken in a fault. It's not to sit in judgment over the one who has fallen. That's not the instruction. The instruction is rather to have meekness and to consider yourself, lest thou also be tempted. That's the real instruction. So brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fall, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, and consider yourself, because you're not immune or incapable. That's the instruction. And the the point is, the point is, in this case, in Peter's case, When Jesus said, all of you are going to be offended by me, Peter's tendency was to have too much self-confidence. I'm not going to do that. I couldn't possibly do that. That puts us in a dangerous position to think that we are strong in and of ourselves. Peter's confidence was in the wrong place. That place was his own ability. That's the wrong place to put our confidence. Now, I want you to go back to Mark chapter 14. And let's read a little bit further. So we see the first tendency is too much self-confidence. But as we read along, it goes farther. In Mark chapter 14 again, and look at with me in verse 30. And Jesus saith unto him, Verily I say unto thee, that this day, even in this night, Before the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. But he spake the more vehemently. If I should die with thee, I will not deny thee in any wise. Likewise also said they all. So here it moves from too much self-confidence to proud boasting. Notice what he says here. Jesus says specifically to Peter, 
after his statement of, though all will be offended of you, I won't be. Jesus talks specifically to him and he says, no, Peter, here's what's really going to happen. That this night, even, even this night, before the cock crows twice, you're going to deny me three times. And then Peter says, he spake more vehemently. He was more insistent on this. He says, if I should die with you, I will not deny thee in any wise. Now, to be fair, I think Peter had good intentions. I think that he probably really in his own mind and heart felt this way. He was impulsive, there's no doubt. His personality is, is you, could, you could probably figure out what it is. He was impulsive. He said probably uh, irrational things at times, but it doesn't mean he wasn't sincere in it. It doesn't mean he didn't have the right intentions. He was just sincerely wrong in where he was putting all of his attention. Because the Bible tells us here that even as Jesus told him, no, Peter, here's what's really going to happen. Even though he'd been warned and he's been told by the Lord himself what is going to happen, he was still unbelieving and he was still ignorant of his own weakness. He was blind to his own tendency. All he could see right here is what he thought. And here he's being warned of Jesus himself. The pride that was coming out of Peter here is a step to a downfall. But let me make this application. Do we not do the same thing with God when we've been warned in Scripture of the deceitfulness of our own hearts, the deceitfulness of sin, and yet we still think that somehow we're spiritual, yet we somehow think that we still have it together. The spiritual pride that emanates from that is exactly going to lead to a downfall. Jeremiah 17.9 tells us that our heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked, who can know it? We don't even know the depths of our own wicked heart. We don't even know the lengths that we'll go to in our own wicked heart. And even though we might have good intentions, and even though we might be sincere, even in our want, wanting to have a right relationship with God and to walk with God and, and to be spiritual and to serve the Lord and even though we might be very sincere in those things, in no, in no circumstance in our flesh are we immune to anything. That's not where our strength needs to be or should be. And Peter said vehemently, more insistently to Jesus Christ, no, even if I die with you, I'm not going to deny you. He's telling the Lord that he's wrong. And Peter's right. Listen, we are not wise and we are not spiritual if we've come to the point of saying within ourselves that we are incapable. Our strength needs to be in the Lord. And listen, listen, here it is. It is the consciously weak ones that actually lean the hardest 
on the Lord. The one that says, I know my heart is deceitful, and I know what I am, and I know who I am, and I don't trust myself, I don't have the strength, and I lean harder on the Lord for His. Peter was proud. He had too much self-confidence, and he was proud. All of that led to something else in Peter's life. I want you to skip down to verse 32. Verse 32 of Mark 14. And they came to a place which was named Gethsemane. And he saith to his disciples, Sit ye here while I shall pray. And he taketh with him Peter and James and John, and began to be sore amazed and to be very heavy. And he saith unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful unto death. Tarry ye here and watch. And he went forward a little and fell on the ground and prayed that, if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou wilt. And he cometh and findeth them sleeping, and saith unto Peter, Simon, sleepest thou? Couldst not thou watch one hour? Watch ye and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. The spirit truly is ready, but the flesh is weak. The too much self-confidence in Peter, the spiritual pride in Peter, led to what I'm going to call here unwatchfulness in Peter. In other words, when Jesus came and Jesus said, Simon, sleepest thou? Couldn't you watch even one hour? And then he says, watch and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. By his sleep, Peter became insensible to the sufferings of Christ. He was not aware of what was going on at the time. And the application and the point is this. Pride and self-confidence are sure to lead to unwatchfulness in our own life. It's the consciously weak ones that lean the hardest. We in our confidence are not as watchful spiritually as to what we are allowing into our life when we are self-confident and spiritually proud. We're not on guard and watchful like we ought to be. We're not aware, and the Bible tells us to, to, to watch, to be on guard, because the devil is a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. It could apply in all kinds of things. Like, for example, maybe we think that we've gotten the victory over something that used to be a problem in our life. We struggled, we battled. We've gotten the victory over this thing that used to be a problem in my life. And as time goes on, I'm not quite as watchful because I've gained victory over this, and I start to let my guard down. You following me? I let my guard down a little bit. And then a little while later, a little more. 
And I start to become desensitized little by little until this thing has a grip on me once again. I wasn't watching. I wasn't on guard. Because I got the victory over that. Not only do we need to be watchful, but we also need to be wise. Because there's also things that may not be inherently wrong in and of themselves, but those things left unchecked, those things left to to run their course in our life could truly desensitize us to bring us also to the point of unwatchfulness. I'm not quite as aware of the dangers as I used to be. Peter was proud. Peter had too much self-confidence. And when the time came for Jesus to say, I want you to pray, I want you to watch, he had to come back and said, Peter, you're sleeping? You're not watching? Watch and pray, lest he enter into temptation. These are all steps that are leading to something. And we read what that something was, probably the low point of Peter's life, the very thing that he said he would never do. Now, it's at this point in the story, if you follow the whole picture and the whole narrative, it's at this point in the story that Judas comes along in the garden. He betrays Jesus. Jesus is arrested. And after that happened, I want you to look at verse 50. Look at verse 50 of Mark chapter 14. Jesus has just been arrested. Judas betrays him. And notice what verse 50 says. And they all forsook him and fled. All. Peter is included in the all. They all forsook him and fled. So the self-confidence, the spiritual pride, the unwatchfulness, it led to Peter denying the Lord or forsaking the Lord. There's something else that it led to. Because we go down to verse 53. This led to, G, to, to Peter being ashamed of Jesus. In verse 53, the Bible says, And they led Jesus away to the high priest, and with him were assembled all the chief priests and the elders and the scribes. And Peter followed him afar off, even into the palace of the high priest. And he sat with the servants and warmed himself at the fire. Here we find that Peter's ashamed of Jesus. Peter followed, but he followed afar off. He followed, but he was far enough away so that he couldn't be identified with Jesus Christ. And here's an application, a spiritual application that we can make in our own Christian life. Listen, the testimony of Christ, it's not popular. To be named with Jesus Christ is not popular in this world. It it, it certainly wasn't in Peter's time. It's not in our day either. Professing Christianity and truly following Christ is not something that is popular in the eyes of the world. And a professing Christian is certainly far enough away from the Lord to where he is susceptible to a fall when he is ashamed to bear the name of Jesus Christ. Now let's get real. Let's have some real talk here, okay? Because what is Christianity if it's not really real and applicable in our lives? 
Where are you at today, friend? Where are you at in your Christian life? We would never say, I'm ashamed of Jesus Christ. All of us sitting in this room who who say we're Christians, we would say, I'm not ashamed of Jesus Christ. But I'm not talking about words. I'm talking about actions. Here's a test of whether or not you're ashamed of Jesus Christ. Are you afraid of what other people will think if you witness to somebody? Are you afraid of what other people might think of you if you hand out a gospel tract? Are you afraid of what others might think of you if you speak up at work for righteousness? Are you afraid of looking a bit peculiar or different from the world? And I don't want to look so different and be so different from the world. I sort of want to mingle and sort of just toe the line a little bit and sort of just blend in so that I don't stand out. Where are you? Are you ashamed of Jesus Christ? Not in word. I love the Lord. I'll never deny the Lord. That's what Peter said too. But when it came right down to it, Peter denied the Lord. Or denied knowing Him at least. Peter was susceptible to the fall We can be too. Peter was ashamed of Jesus Christ. He didn't want to be identified at that point with Him. Why? Because of what other people said or what other people thought. If we find ourselves in this sort of a situation, we need to kind of take a, a look at why. Where, where are we at in our Christian life? Maybe at this point in our life, if we're ashamed of the Lord, maybe at this point in our life, the Word of God is pretty neglected. Meaning that I only open this up when I come to church. Daily, it doesn't have an impact or influence in my life. Maybe my prayer life is small, maybe virtually non-existent. Maybe I don't really want to be around or identified with other people who really love the Lord and them having that influence on my life, those who would truly testify for the name of Christ. All of those are indicators. And we think, oh, I'm spiritual. Oh, I love God. Oh, I love Jesus, and it's easy to do here in this room. Not so easy to do when we're staring the world in the face. Peter thought, and even though he might have been sincere, I'll never deny you, Lord. But when it came right down to it, Peter ended up being ashamed to be identified with Jesus Christ. Look at verse 54. Again, Peter followed him afar off, even into the palace of the high priest, and he sat with the servants and warmed himself at the fire. Now, I'm sure that Peter was interested in what was going on, but he wanted to do it from a distance. He's trying to blend in, not be uh, so visible, 
that he's a follower of Jesus Christ and he's mingling with these who are enemies of the Lord to warm himself by the fire. There's a spiritual application that you can make from that. I'm sure if Peter was physically cold and he was trying to warm himself. But here the Bible says that he sat with these and he warmed himself with these by the fire. The spiritual application could be this. The world is the enemy of Christ. The world is the enemy of Christ. Why do we want to or find ourselves mingling with the world and worldliness and maybe even ungodliness to some point? Why do we find ourselves in those places? Well, like Peter, maybe there's too much self-confidence, spiritual pride that we think we have it under control. Ultimately, all of this led to what we find in verse 66. Look in verse 66 of our text. Verse 66 says, And as Peter was beneath in the palace, there cometh one of the maids of the high priest. And when she saw Peter warming himself, she looked upon him and said, And thou also wast with Jesus of Nazareth. But he denied, saying, I know not, neither understand I what thou sayest. And he went out into the porch, and the cock crew. And as a maid saw him again, and began to say to them that stood by, This is one of them, he denied it again. And a little after, they that stood by said again to Peter, Surely thou art one of them, for thou art a Galilean, and thy speech agreeeth thereto. But he began to curse and to swear, saying, I know not this man of whom ye speak. And the second time, the cock crew. And Peter called to mind the word that Jesus said unto him, Before the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. And when he thought thereon, he wept. Ultimately, all of those things before led to Peter denying that he even knew the Lord. While he was warming himself, he was charged with having been with Jesus, but he denied, saying, I know not of what thou speakest. And here's the application. When a Christian has gone to the point of self-pride, being ashamed of the Lord, even mingling in with the Lord or with the world, the next step is sure to follow, and that step is denial. I'm not talking about words. I'm talking about actions. There are those, and maybe we've all seen it before, there are those who once said they loved the Lord with all their heart. There are those who even sat in some of these pews, probably, who aren't here, who've gone and cast aside all that they've ever known, all that they said that they once loved, they once loved, casting aside of 
what was right and what was true, to follow their own self, uh, selfish heart and selfish tendencies and fleshly desires. They claimed the Lord Jesus Christ. They said they loved Him with all of their heart. And now they're not here. They've cast aside it all to follow themselves. They said they would never do that. And Jesus has a solemn warning for those who continue on like that in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 33, where Jesus says, Him that denieth me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. And here is Peter doing exactly what he said he would never do. His downfall started way back when he was confident in his own flesh, when he should have been leading hard on the Lord, when the Lord told him, this is what's going to happen. Peter should have said, Lord, Lord, don't let it be so. Lord, help me. Protect me. Give me the strength. Don't let it be so. That should have been his heart. But rather he said, no, that's not going to happen. It can't happen. He should have been leaning hard, but now he's denying the very Lord that saved him. And so here's the thought and even the conclusion. At what point are you, Christian? Hopefully not any one of these. But if you are, maybe you're just at the point of too much self-confidence. Or maybe you're somewhere in between, or maybe you're almost at the point of denial. Whatever the case might be, no matter what point a person might be at, the cure for any of that and all of that, the cure is repentance and true heart confession and repentance before God. Acknowledging my deceitful heart, acknowledging my weakness, in my flesh, that I'm not capable of being spiritual and strong myself, but I am capable of anything else in my flesh and falling. Lord, don't let it be so. I need your strength. The truth about the Lord is that no matter where a person is at, when there's repentance in their heart toward God, God is going to forgive and God is going to restore a little bit later on in John 21, and we'll talk about this when we get there, I'm going to preach a message called Jesus, the friend of the fallen. And we're going to look at Peter again. And we're going to look at what, what happened in Peter's life after this terrible uh, uh, event and, and Peter denying the Lord, how Jesus uh, uh, worked in Peter's life and, and forgave him and how, and how Jesus restored Peter and lifted him up and strengthened him because Peter had a humble and repentant heart. But Jesus is still the friend of the fallen. And that's the truth about the Lord. There's going to be forgiveness, and there can be restoration with a repentant heart. But we've got to humble ourselves before Him, no matter what point we find ourselves in. Peter did that, and the Lord forgave him and eventually was able to use him. But it wasn't without pain. It wasn't without pain. Because Matthew chapter 26 and verse 27, another parallel passage here, tells us that Peter remembered the word of Jesus, which said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And he went out and wept 
bitterly. It's probably the lowest point in Peter's life. It wasn't without pain, but at least there was forgiveness with the Lord. Jesus had already prayed for Peter that his faith would not fail. And Jesus' prayer was answered because, you know what, even though Peter fell, even though Peter denied the Lord, even though Peter did this very thing, that wasn't the end of Peter. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord for that. That wasn't the end of Peter. Peter's failure didn't define him in the end because Jesus Christ stepped in. Well, maybe you're here today and you're at one of those points. Bring it before the Lord. Repent. Ask the Lord for His help, for His grace, His strength. But maybe you're here today and you've had experiences like this already in your life. And so you fully know the sorrow that it caused in your own life. I would simply say to you, praise the Lord that our failures don't have to define us. But beyond that, if that is you, and you've had these kinds of experiences in your life, and you know the pain that it can cause, I would encourage you in this. Why don't you pray for others? And why don't you lift others up that are weary and still consider thyself, lest thou also be tempted? But be a strength and an encouragement to somebody else. Don't do what I've done. Don't go where I've been. I can understand. I'm going to pray for you. I can help you. Be like that. Be like Jesus who prayed for Peter that your faith doesn't fail. So where are you, Christian? Examine your own life. I think we all get to the place at some point where we end up doing, saying, being things that we thought we would never be. We certainly will if we're relying on our own flesh or our own strength. Amen? Lean hard on the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank You, Lord, for examples in Scripture. Like with Peter one who is so assertive, so self-confident, who ended up experiencing heartache and heartbreak because his strength and dependence was in the wrong thing. But in the end, there was forgiveness with the Lord, and in the end, his failure did not define him because of Christ. We praise You for that as well. But Lord, I pray that You'd help us to be watchful. And Lord, You'd help us to lean hard on You, understanding our own tendencies, understanding our weaknesses. Lord, that there's nothing that we're not capable of doing in our flesh. But by your grace and by your strength, Lord, we can stand. We can be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd cause us to do some self-examination this morning. And, Lord, as you speak to hearts, Lord, I pray that there would be a humble and tender response. In Jesus' name, amen.